Let us pray. It was a strange and dreadful strife when life and death contended. The victory remained with life. The reign of death was ended. Holy Scripture plainly saith that death is swallowed up by death. Its sting is lost forever. Alleluia. Amen. Grace and peace, love and mercy from God our Father, through Jesus Christ, our risen Savior and Lord. Amen. Text for our meditation this Easter morn. The Old Testament reading from Job chapter 19, especially these words. For I know that my Redeemer lives, and at the last he will stand upon the earth. Dear friends in Christ, we know the story of Job, don't we? Somebody who had a lot, and then it's all gone, and then at the end of the story, he gets it all back. There's much more. Much more for us to ponder as we contemplate and celebrate Christ's resurrection from the dead. In Job chapter 1, we read, There was a man in the land of Uz whose name was Job. And that man was blameless and upright, one who feared God and turned away from evil. Job's a good guy. Job is a faithful guy. He is a believer. The blessings that God has poured out on Job are hard to list because they are so great. Large family, many flocks and herds, well respected in his community. Job has it all. It's hard for us to imagine. But at that time, Satan had a seat on God's heavenly council. Satan comes to God and says, Hey, you know your servant Job? He only loves you because he has lots of stuff. Satan answered the Lord, Job 1 verse 9. Does Job fear God for no reason? Have you not put a hedge around him and his house and all that he has on every side? You have blessed the work of his hands and his possessions and have increased his land. But stretch out your hand and touch all that he has and he will curse you to your face. And the Lord said to Satan, Behold, all that he has is in your hand. Only against him do not stretch out your hand. So Satan went out from the presence of the Lord. We know what's going on behind the scenes. We know that God 
has allowed or given permission to Satan to attack and to take away much of Job's stuff. And we see it happens, and it happens in machine gun fire pace. First his family, then his flocks, then his possessions, then his physical health, gone in an instant. Hard for us to imagine, isn't it? Or maybe it isn't so hard for us to imagine. Where were you one year ago today? You weren't in church. I guarantee you. Oh, maybe you were watching on TV, but you weren't here. You couldn't be here. We were forbidden to be here. How quickly things can be taken from us through no fault of our own. Here today and gone tomorrow, we say it flippantly, but we don't mean it. It rocks us to our very core. When times are difficult and our stuff that we put so much value in is threatened or gone, we question. We doubt. We wonder what God is up to. We wonder if there is a God. And we go on a search. We want answers. We want answers now. We blame. We blame our friends. We blame our political leaders. We blame our police. We blame our pastors. We blame everybody, even God. We want to know, why is this happening? Why, why do bad things happen to good people? My friends, this year has taught us, has taught us to turn to God where he promises to be found. That's good advice, always. But it's hard advice to hear. When everything was falling apart for Job, Job had counsel from his wife. Certainly, he can trust what his wife would tell him, right? His wife said, hey Job, curse that God of yours and die. Job had friends. Friends that came to him with all kinds of pious platitudes, philosophical answers for why things were happening. And the bottom line of it all, it's your fault, Job. 
You did it. Dig deep down inside yourself. Search your feelings. Search your inner heart. There you will find your answers. Job didn't listen to his wife. Job didn't listen to his friends. But it didn't mean that his situation had changed and his answers, questions were being answered. And so then Job decides to go to the one place that he needs to go, to God. But instead of listening, he talks. He complains. He complains to God about what has happened in his life. He demands answers. Remember, we know what's going on behind the scenes. Job doesn't. Just like in many situations in life, God knows what's going on behind the scenes. But we don't. And so we lash out at God. God listens. He allows Job in his love and mercy to complain to God. And then God speaks. God does not give Job the specific answers to the specific questions that he poses. God speaks. And he says, Job, who do you think you are? God? Were you there when I dug the hole for the oceans? Job 38. Were you there when I put the stars in their proper place? Of course you weren't. Listen to me. Trust me. I am God and you are not. And you know what Job did? He listened. He didn't get all of his answers that he was seeking. But he trusted the God who had created him. He trusted the God who had promised him a redeemer, a kinsman redeemer, one from his own family who would purchase and win him, who would buy him back from all of his trouble. Our text for today, when Job, right in the middle of the book, right in the midst of his greatest suffering, Job, life oozing from his body, Job makes this confession of faith. I know that my Redeemer lives. He confesses that even though his whole world is falling apart, even though his body is dying, he knows, he clings to the word of God, that his Redeemer, Jesus, lives. And when the time is right, he will stand upon the earth. And even though his body, Job's body, will one day become worm food, God in his power and might 
will raise him to life and in his own flesh and with his own eyes, he will see God face to face. His eyes will behold him and not another. Job says, you know, these words are so important. I wish people would write them down. Write them down and save them like, like forever. I guess that happened, huh? We have those words. We sing those words. We rejoice in those words. We pray that that confession would be our confession. In good times, when we don't really need God, and in bad times, when it seems maybe that God has abandoned us. My friends, today, the question before us, as it was for the women approaching the tomb, where do you look for Jesus? Where do you look for Jesus? Do you look for Jesus among the dead? The devil, the world, and your own sinful flesh are more than happy to give you all kinds of answers to your problems. But none of those answers will satisfy. So where do you go? Where do you look? It was about a hundred years ago, a gentleman by the name of Alfred Ackley wrote an Easter hymn. An Easter hymn that will be sung in many churches, even today. Alan Jackson made it a hit just over 10 years ago, if you're into country music. There's a verse that goes like this. He lives, he lives, Christ Jesus lives today. He walks with me and he talks with me along life's narrow way. He lives, he lives, salvation to impart. You ask me how I know he lives? He lives within my heart. My friends, where do you look for Jesus? If you look to your heart for Jesus, you are looking in the wrong place. Now, of course, Jesus dwells in the heart of every believer. Thanks be to God. But there's something else that dwells in your heart. Sin. And that sin often lies to you. It causes doubts. If you look to your heart for your assurance of Jesus, maybe... Maybe you're getting your assurance from Jesus. Maybe you're getting it from your doubts. We need something more sure than our fickle heart. We need the sure and certain Word of God. The Word of God that does not change. The Word of God that endures forever. The Word of God that took on flesh and blood. The Word of God that placed Himself under the Ten Commandments, God's condemning law, 
The word of God that bled and died on Calvary's cross. The word of God that rose victorious from the grave on that first Easter morning. My friends, we look for God where he promises to be. Wherever his word is proclaimed in its truth and purity, there God is encouraging you, forgiving you, strengthening you, promising you that he will never leave you nor forsake you. Wherever the sacraments of God are administered according to the command and promise of God, there God is wrapping you in the robe of righteousness in the waters of holy baptism, speaking God's words of love and forgiveness into your ear in the holy absolution, feeding you for the journey, an oftentimes difficult journey, with the very body and blood of Jesus crucified and risen for you in and under bread and wine. My friends, this last year has been a wild ride. And I'd love to tell you that this next year is going to be like 3 million percent better. Maybe it will be. Maybe it will be worse. I don't know. But there is one thing that I know, and I pray that you know. I know that my Redeemer lives. And at the end, He will stand upon the earth. And even the worms destroy my body, yet in my flesh, I will see God. My eyes will behold Him, mine and not another. Oh, how my heart yearns within me. May that be your confession today and tomorrow and forever. Amen. Now may the peace of God, which far surpasses all understanding, keep our hearts, our minds, our lives, our confession. In Christ Jesus, our Lord. Amen.